1: Hi villains and welcome to For the Love of Palmagraph Podcast with your host Neil Dunworth. And Patty's back. Patty's back. <laughs> Again, he's back from his holly bobs. Um well, how would you enjoy it, Patty? There was probably nothing happened. It was so quiet around for the park. There's been no news since you've been gone away, so you didn't miss anything. <laughs> yeah, it's typical, isn't it?
0: It's like a bus, they all come along at once.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, a good
0: uh a good uh staycation, so I'm uh Back now and raring to go, so back to work Monday and all the usual stuff. So, uh, but uh, yeah, thankfully they've been busy around Villa Park for the last week.
1: Yeah, it seems to be like this. I, I, the way I kind of described it today, when I was talking to James Rushton, was the club seemed to be seemed to have made a couple of grown up decisions over the last few days, over the last week, Um seemed to have started to draw a roadmap for the future for this team for the first time that. First time that I can remember um, that this has been done. Uh, Obviously, what we're talking about here is the signings of uh, Rob McKenzie and Craig Shakespeare. Uh, Craig Shakespeare, most notably, being today, Rob McKenzie being yesterday. Uh, Coming in to work with Dean Smith and coming in to work with uh, Johan Lang. And I think for me, the biggest positive or the big, like, the big best thing about this is that. There's a hive collective kind of um, mentality being 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 uh, driven here, and I like that because far too long has British football, in general, even even you know clubs over here as well. Far too long has there been an overarching figurehead at the top that has made every single decision, and the game has moved on from there. And sport in general has become has moved on, and it's it's become you know you see that the players have even become bigger than clubs because of it you know, uh, like the days of Alex Ferguson are gone, you know, having that one guy who just happens to be good at everything, yeah. it's, it's it
0: definitely, it definitely it's appears big. that way at the highest level anyway, and I think in the last few, day, few days, we've just brought ourselves to, the, to that table, and hmm. um, from what I can see, um, you know, we all of a sudden have a very impressive coaching ticket, along with the I don't know what, how you describe Rob. He's literally got, <laughs> you know, for such a young man, he's got a, a, a big uh, a big history behind him with, uh, you know, the likes of Leicester, Spurs, and and lately then with, uh, Louvain and in in, uh, in Belgium. It is Belgium, isn't it? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It is. Who would be a sister club of Leicester, and uh, they they've just been promoted this year to the, to the what would be their Premier Division or the equivalent of. So, uh yeah, um, I suppose the easy thing to do is to say who the, the, you know, the papers latched onto the fact that he's responsible for the likes of Cambiaso, signing for Leicester, uh Son and Alderweireld and a few others for Spurs. So, if he, if he, you know, it didn't take a a mastermind to find Cambiaso. He was always a smashing player. But the other two, you know, to unearth a player like that, you know almost together and and 5 years later he'd be still at the club so you know fingers crossed he can do it um he seems to go about his business in the background and 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 seems like a very respect, respected uh, football person in the in the business um who knows what he's doing without a, without a doubt so uh you know best of luck to him and it's, it's great to have someone of that colour you know that's worked for the club you know obviously with the with Leicester, who, who, while he was there, won the Premier League. Um, and then, sure, sports over the last few years have just been phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, best of luck.
1: I think the biggest thing for this for me is that, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I think I mentioned it when, with regards to the online is the joined up thinking that seems to be happening here. And I said that this is, that the the pitfalls that the club could fall into here and that maybe they fell into under uh, the time when they tried this previously with uh, Paddy Riley was that there wasn't any joint of thinking that there wasn't any top down approach. There wasn't any. It was very much a case of, OK, we're going to get a group of individuals in together here, and, you know, figure it out between yourselves. There was there was a lack yeah. of clarity in leadership and within the avoid anything. You know anything filled Mm -hmm. fight. I think here now it's pretty clear cut. I think the strategy here has been very much so that okay, Dean Smith is a manager who's worked under a director of football, a sporting director, a technical director, whatever you want to call it. We bring we bring in Johan Lang to be that figurehead. Johan Lang has always worked has worked with a, a head of recruitment. I can't remember his name. I think it's Leet Frederick Leet. They worked with uh, in uh, Copenhagen, a kind of a head scout, head of, a, head of recruitment. Uh, that's going to be Rob McKenzie, and you know these the this, the structure is becoming clear, and and the kind of the cogs of the wheel are becoming clear in, in in this instance here. Um, I saw a tweet as well recently that uh, it was it was this morning that actually Mackenzie and Lang have worked together as well. That Mackenzie did some freelance work with, uh, oh, really? with FC Copenhagen. Yeah, it did some. It, it wasn't on the books with them or whatever, but he did some freelance work with FC Copenhagen. And, and he, there was a tweet that he actually praised the great work that they had done, the players that they brought in when they beat Celt- when they beat Celtic and knocked them out of the out of the uh, out of Europe last year. The McKenzie yeah. had seen that. He had worked with them. He had. Uh, he was praising their scouting system. He was praising their um their recruitment drive. So we've got we've got people who kind of know each other from this instance, you know. We've got people yeah. who have formed that bond and formed those uh, th- those bonds, should I say? Um, so from that point of view, we have that stream of of um, innovation within the club is going to work hand in hand together. The McKen- we call it Mackenzie Lang stream, and it's going to allow then Dean Smith to basically do what he does in the field. And I think that's exactly what Dean Smith wants to do. I don't think, think Dean Smith really wants to be bogged down and looking at four or five hundred hours of, of video over the off-season yeah. uh, of prospects. I think he basically just says, right, I want to have player X, player Y, player Z. Uh, I want to have what their intangibles are. Um, find me players like those that can fit into my system. And
0: yeah. well, the, the only thing, and I've said it before, me being old school as well, as long as the decision is totally with the manager I, i'm good mm-hmm. but uh it's um it has worked badly with some clubs in the past and hopefully as you say everything seems to be tied together in, in in the way we want it so um as long as dean smith is working with the players that he picks and he can stand over them then you know happy days
1: i think also as well that we have to acknowledge the fact that Yes, Johan Lang might have got his man or his ally or his, his general in on that side with Rob McKenzie. We're also here to talk about Craig Shakespeare, and we'll overlap between the two and flip-flop between, I suppose, the two, the two appointments um, as the podcast goes on. Shakespeare joins Aston Villa. You know, he's been a, a, a very successful um, Assistant coach, he's worked with Sam Allardyce under England, he's worked with uh, Nigel Pearson, um, he's worked with uh, he, he's been with Hull, he's been with Watford, he's been with he was caretaker of Baggies for a couple for a couple of games, but most notably he worked under Ranieri when Leicester did the unthinkable and won yeah. the league. Um what I like about this is well, two things I like about it really is that, that uh, Rob McKenzie and Shakespeare were at Leicester at the same time. They know each other. They're probably familiar with each other in one way, shape, or form. They're coming, in, they're, they're coming into a structure that's being built that they were probably familiar with that they had at Leicester previously. But for me, and, and I mentioned this uh, on – I can't remember who I was speaking to when, when – uh, I think it might have been James Hendicott who mentioned this, that Villa's backroom team – are made up of three defenders, essentially. Three defensive-minded people with yeah. uh, O'Keefe, Terry, and and Smith. And in comes, Craig, uh, or in comes Shakespeare, Craig Shakespeare now, and he's a bit more of an attacking-minded uh, voice in the room. And it's interesting that he comes in as second-in-command. Now, he's he, interesting in the way that it, it kind of bunks John Terry down, who, who it's, it's yeah. been said. Or, or,
0: or maybe it doesn't. You know, you can have as many assistants as you like, but I suppose, he, yeah. What if they announced them as head assistant coaches? I, I, haven't a clue. Yeah,
1: that's that was <laughs> exactly what they
0: see what way the hierarchy looks at looks now, but um, they seem to be, you know, they're, they're they seem to be all on the same level from what I can gather. and What reading between the lines is um, obviously a really good appointment. Um, I remember him playing because I remember him being. A bloody tough guy and uh the kind of guy you wouldn't want to be marking because he'd be constantly in your face and roaring at you. <laughs> That's my outstanding memory of him. Um, you know, he he wouldn't have played for, I suppose, the baggies baggies and Sheffield Wednesday being the biggest of clubs that he played for. But uh he obviously is very well thought of. I actually remember how devastated the Leicester players were when he he was let go as as a head coach. Um I got the impression they felt it was going the right way, but, you know, the, it's a results business and it needed to be done a bit quicker. But, um, you know, to be to be so highly thought of, to be assistant manager in the Premier League of, you know, Everton, Leicester, Watford, and now Aston Villa, along with working with Sam Miller, albeit for a short period of time in England, you know, his credentials are there. And I have to say, when I I, I got... A little bit of a shake of excitement when I heard it today because it just seems that everything is all pieced together now and all we need to do is is build a team. So the next three to four weeks are going to be really, really interesting to see who goes out, who comes in, who we sign um, and and what we can do to to improve things on the pitch because everything off the pitch seems to be in place.
1: Once again, Craig Shakespeare is for me, is going to straddle both both stools. He will know Rob McKenzie from his time at Leicester, but he also played with Dean Smith at Walsall. Um, yeah. and, and for me, the most exciting part of this with Craig Shakespeare is that obviously the wealth of experience he brings, like you could credit him with an awful lot of, the, of Watford's revival last year. When Pearson comes in, he comes with him. Watford starts scoring goals you know when they leave what for their divide of ideas you know they don't really they don't they don't start to click at all he is an interesting statistic with him he's the first premier league manager ever to achieve three goals per game in his first three matches in charge you know when he took <laughs> over Leicester. so yeah. for like that's so he he scores goals he gets he's a, he, that to me means that he's an attacking minded he's got an attacking mind about him and uh, uh, and that's good that is good because you know, uh, it, it's something that we need to do. We need to freshen up the ideas up there, and and way Jack Grealish up there at the moment, we're like sprinkle your dust, Jack, and see what happens. But uh, you know, to have that kind of a set of eyes with a, with a bit more of attacking intent up there is going to be um, is going to be, from, from my view, in, in, invaluable. And not only is it invaluable, it's uh, the the stature of the of the assistant manager, the stature of the two or three appointments that we've made are, they're dragging the name of Aston Villa upwards, you know, and yep. by God, the club needs it because the, the world moves so fast at the moment that one or two or three years in the championship that we've had along with a, a year of struggle and maybe even like the, the Sheffield United ghost goal, all this kind of stuff is almost negative against Aston Villa and, and the, to drag us back up there like no one cares about what you did 20 years ago no one cares about the fact that yes this is the first time we were ever relegated from the Premier League to start getting these darlings of teams that have have performed well previously and bringing them into the club and showing that we are making those quote-unquote grown-up decisions to better the, the the future of this club is is for me fantastic and look I know that the media I mean damn all when it comes to wins and wins and losses and on the actual field. But sometimes it's nice to get that pub that, that good press. It's nice to get that good feeling around the around the club. It's nice to have people talking about you and going. But like, they seem to be doing things right. They're an intelligent bunch of guys because uh, yeah. much and all, players like to say, they don't read. Uh, they don't read the newspapers. They must do. And and if the newspaper you. has a set in you, you know you're going to it's going to affect the club as a whole. So I'd much prefer to be hiring Craig Shakespeare, hiring a, a Rob McKenzie, than to be like Arsenal letting go of fifty-five staff. You know when the players 100%. have already said they'd take yeah. a pay cut. You know, so these things are uh, they're 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 cool. They're nice. They're 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 good for the for the karma and for the for the aura of the club, but they're also good on the field for the club as well. And and I'm. I, I think that when we see one or two signings announced, like the, the feel good factor will go through the roof, I think about Aston Villa.
0: Yeah, but that's this is the uh, the six million dollar question is now who, who we bring in and, and who we who we use to make this work. Um say everything's done behind the scenes and obviously you've got the the worry now of getting the right mix of players onto the pitch. You know, we've been linked with certain players over the last few days. I even heard that one player in particular hadn't gone on holidays because he was hanging around waiting on this deal to be done. But it's that, that just shows that, that there are people there that really want to play for Aston Villa, should that be true? So let's see what happens from, from here. You know, I'm sure... Um, you know, that we have, there's already players in the pipeline that these guys are thinking of already and they've all come together with, with these ideas over the last, what are we, two weeks out now since finish? Yeah, more Maybe or less, two yeah. Weeks. Yeah, so um, that's a long time in football and as you see, even the last two days is a long time in football and the changes we've, positive changes that we've made and, you know, it's all good, but uh you know, a few few funny uh, links today, the likes of Lazio sniffing around Wesley, which I thought was a, a strange one, mm-hmm. um, considering he's not fully fit. So, um, you know, the obligatory <laughs> Turkey seemed to be after all our players on the Turkish team. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> originated
1: in Turkey again, yeah. And then, like, what blows my mind is that it's like like minutes and you're going, guys, he's scored six goals in, in the perceived best league in the whole world. So why the hell are we taking him? Why are we letting him go yeah, for... Are we taking it for it? Yeah, it's like thir- 33% less than what we paid for him. You know, I if they if they said that they're willing to come in and pay 22 million, what Philip paid for him, I'd go, right, this one might have legs. Yeah. But then when they not, say 30 sure,
0: million... I'm not even sure that that would be the case. I think, you know, you go back to Paddy Riley's time and... You know the likes of the time under uh, Lambert when we sold what do they call them the three Js the three Jordans? Yeah, went down to be better players than we gave them uh, credit for. I don't think we want to be putting ourselves in that position anymore. I think the likes of uh, Wesley Samata, the, the guys that we paid the money for, will be given an opportunity to go and prove themselves. Um, to what extent that would be whether they will sign strikers, wingers, we don't know, mm-hmm. but uh. I can't see us rushing into selling players, especially when we don't need to. Now, obviously, if a ridiculous, you're like if you're saying maybe minutes for Wesley, we go, oh, hang on a minute, yeah, yeah. You know, we might be considering it, but uh, I, I honestly can't. I, I think, uh, from a club's point of view, we need to give them the chance to shine.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I the more I'm seeing the way that the backroom team is being structured here the more I'm thinking that we're not going to see any of our big names go out the door. Because like as much and all as people say, oh yeah, that's well and good, but Craig Shakespeare can't put the ball in the back of the net. Yes, that is 100% correct. And like that's a stupid statement because it's a hypothet- it's it's a rhetorical question. We all know that he can't do that. But it's like the investment in Jack Grealish, the investment in John McGinn, the investment in in Tyrone Mings, it is. We are going to make the investment down the field. We are going to make three or four signings in this team. But what But giving them the respect of surrounding them with with some of the best coaches, or highly thought of coaches, or coaches with fresh, good ideas, or respected coaches, or coaches that can stand in a room and say, "What? What Premier League medal have you won? What have you ever? What have you done in the Premier League? Yeah. I can. I. I can. I've done it. I've shown you how to do it. I've. I turned around Watford's fortunes. I've turned around. Uh, you know. I worked with Everton. I worked with England. Have you ever played for England, Jack? Have you ever played for, you know, Tyrone? You've played for England once yeah. or twice. You want longevity in England? I know what it takes to get to play for England. I'm not saying he's going to be a Billy big bollocks when he gets in there, but you know, even though he's only assistant coach, I'm, I'm sure all these players know exactly. They're all they've all been on the phone. They've gone, they've rang up. Like Greedish is probably over and a beat. now going to James Madison. Hi, hey, what's this guy like? Is he? Is you know? <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And yeah. Madison
1: is probably can't remember um but but, but, uh i i just because i I don't want to get into that and madison greenish thing but these guys are all calling around and like i wouldn't underestimate the the kind of the that these backroom team moves and stuff like that these are going to be i i would be i wouldn't be surprised if this is a bigger plan that's been 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 floated out to these players in a case of like yes we will be making on the field stuff but you know, we're 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 structuring this club in a way to succeed. So we've given you a five-year deal. Um, don't back out of it now because good things are coming. You know, we're going to put that structure in to help you and we're going to get those players in to help you as well. So there is an element of respect that players will have for this when you have this course, this yeah. so-and-so grown-up thought process within a club and a professional approach to the club. Like, Paddy, I'm sure you can remember a time when... Uh, like, I can certainly remember a time when I was playing GA and we would have... Uh, You know, we'd obviously have managers and stuff like that. And I can remember one specific time when I felt that it was um, the first time that I ever felt that, right, things are going the right way and things are, are, there's that small bit extra 10% being invested in me. Um, and it mightn't have been, but I just remember feeling that that the club were on the right way. There was a good bit of thought process going in here. We're training maybe that extra day a week. We're doing something different. Um, and then you kind of build a respect for the person that's asking you to do it because it's that small bit different and and they've done it before. And then before you know it, you're like, you're you're fit to take the hinges off the door on the way out because you respect these people and you you know the amount of effort that they've gotten out of view in training field and so on so that's that happens at a professional level too you know it has to happen it was, it's, it's human nature
0: yeah, yeah it's actually human nature what i was gonna say it's like when you you get a new teacher in school you're even doing the same thing you know they get that little bit extra out of you if you feel like you're you're uh you're um on their radar and, and they respect you so they'll get more out of you um it goes on all over the place and I I've I absolutely no doubt that what you're saying is true that Jack Grealish is out there talking to James Madison and his mate uh Chilwell and getting all the information out of him to what to what these guys are like. It's 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 human nature that you would mm-hmm. do that. It is it's like when you're in work and a new boss is coming in, you know, you're on LinkedIn looking at who who used to work for this company find out what it's like and all this kind of stuff. So look, it's there now. Um They've just got to prove that they can deliver the right uh, personalities to to drive us up the the league now. Um, I've no doubt that they can. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be a few hidden gems coming out of Everton or Watford that Craig Shakespeare has kept his eye on over the years. Who knows? Um, it's just a really interesting few days for the club, and I'm excited.
1: Now. Nope. I'm going to play a converse side of things. You know, I'm, I'm usually Mr. Optimistic. And you can take a drink, Philip, if you're listening. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's part of Neil Bingo, I think, on, on, on the podcast <laughs> at the moment when I tell everybody about how optimistic I am. But I'm going, to, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment. And you will see people on social media and you will see the question asked, well, if they're so good, why aren't they still at Leicester? And look, I, you have to turn around and say it's a valid point, I suppose, I can understand why Shakespeare isn't there because he was given the, the job on a three-year deal and then things weren't going, going his way as the head man so they they, they pulled the job from him. Now, he'd beaten mm-hmm. Liverpool 3-1 and uh, and he didn't do exactly too badly in the first year, but the second year then, uh, he was uh, they basically staved off relegation. Um, but with McKenzie, I, I haven't looked into it too much, but obviously he did some stellar work at, at Leicester. And... Was it after Leicester that he moved on to, to Spurs? And why did he move on to Spurs? Like I know we don't have the full background story of that, but I suppose that is a question that you would have to ask. Mm-hmm. Why didn't Leicester want to keep him? Um, I know that scouts do chop and change and move around. And and look, to be honest with you, I suppose if you could turn around the fortunes of, of uh, Spurs, even though you've got, like if you've gotten Leicester to win the championship and then you move to Spurs and then you get Spurs, uh, you know, firing as well.
0: You never, you never know what, what was, whether it's financial or the prospects of, of going there and working under, you know, perceived, you know, continental managers that are just fantastic and trying to learn something new. You, you don't know what people's motivations are for moving. Um, with regard to uh, Shakespeare, you know, not working out, some people aren't cut out to be managers. But are fantastic, yeah. you know, assistants and coaches and like most of most of um, most of the influential people I worked with through playing sports in my life were the guys in the background that gave you that little, you know, G up or told you what you were doing wrong. It wasn't always the manager, you know, so um there's 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 110 ways of looking at it, but uh the only way I'm looking at it is with complete positivity now because I think I think the set-up is spot-on. Um, I, th- I think we've got possibly, you know, if you, if you look at the results that uh, Dean was getting out of, and a pretty ordinary Brentford team playing decent football and to bring in the, the likes of John Terry and now Craig Shakespeare. You know, I know there's a bit of a worry that that's the end of John Terry um, I know there's a lot of people wishing it was the end of John Terry um, I honestly don't see it I think from what they're saying he will be part of it as well and I could see John Terry being excited to work with Sha- with Shakespeare as well because it, it, there's so much to learn from everybody It, it like in all walks of life and in, in, as I said go back to when you're in school working together everybody learns off each other um, but especially in a sporting background you know you, you do learn from the people around you so um I'm sure John Terry would want to stick around. I don't think he would see it as someone coming in, stepping on his toes, considering they're completely different types of players, and more than likely, completely different types of coaches. Uh, uh, Rob
1: McKenzie, I just I happened to find a, a, a little piece on him there, so it, it's interesting that we, <laughs> we've we mentioned all the links, and it's, there's, there's one link between almost everybody at the moment, and it's Nigel Pearson, because Rob McKenzie was with Leicester and he's, so he, jo- he joins Leicester in 2000 and uh, I think it's in 2009. Um, he comes yeah. in, he was a first team an- an- analysis and they became the head of technical recruiting um, in 2011 under, under Nigel Pearson. So Nigel Pearson was with Leicester 2011-2015 and he left in 2015, um, did McKenzie and he followed Pearson to Derby, to Derby County. Uh, worked there for a short period of time, and then he was out of the game for six months. And then, lo and behold, Nigel Pearson rocks up uh Leuven in 2017, 2019, and gives his mate Mackenzie a shout in 2018 to come in to work with Leuven. Um, and then, obviously, then Pearson ta- gets gets the chop at Leuven and, and takes over Watford at the at the end of the uh, in December. And then, you know, the rest is history, I suppose, from there. So it's really interesting. The Ch- Craig Shakespeare, obviously, Craig Shakespeare played uh, at Sheffield Wednesday with Nigel Pearson, Pearson and he's he actually, yeah. he's actually said that Nigel Pearson was the best uh, captain that he ever had. He said he was the most fearless captain that he ever had, and he, um, uh, you know, he he he, he was Craig Shakespeare. Sorry, was his uh, was uh, uh, Nigel Pearson's right hand man? I think at Hull. And yeah, there's 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 a big link back here to Nigel Pearson. And isn't it is funny that realistically I never even looked at it that way? Yeah. Villa would never have stayed up if Watford didn't get rid of Nigel Pearson. Nigel Pearson. So, yeah. There's and that's just the link of all of it. That Nigel Pearson seems to be see it all all roads link back to him. Now, whether these two guys were were I I would imagine that they've obviously done it on their own without Nigel Pearson, but he's been in there somewhere along the line and uh, I just have this very funny kind of thought process that Pearson started pulling the strings in the background to, to really give the two fingers to Watford after what they did and it wouldn't surprise me because Pearson seems like that nasty old bastard that would do it you know <laughs> so so yeah it does it comes back to it because Pearson or Craig Shakespeare obviously was Pearson's right hand man and with, with Watford up until, up until they both got sacked at the two games out from the end of the season so it's uh, it's one of those ones. There's a, there's a lot of receipts there that you, you could trawl through. Follow the money, I think, and you'll, follow, you'll find the truth. <laughs> follow the trail, yeah. Exactly. Paddy, are you going to buy the new shirt? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you. I was there. What's he going to say here? He's leaning back in his chair. Of course he's going to buy the shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's...
0: Yeah. Well... I, as much as I complain about the the sizes of the 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 kappa shorts, the um, I think the three shorts they made last year were smart. Um, I like the new short. I like the new sponsor. I think I think they they can do a whole lot with it without having to have a gaudy looking color on the front of it. So yeah, I'm 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 happy enough with with the choice. Um, a few uh, funny ones been floated around for. Away kit An alternative kit I know there's a particular Beigey looking one That you're particularly Fond of Neil Yeah the one The the strawberries and cream one Yeah
1: <laughs> but, but, but you know Like whatever But a dark coloured jersey And I know that the, uh, the Like there is You know The dark coloured jersey would, would be nice Because it would be flattering you would be slimming On the old belly um the you can't get away with the beige one if it's if it's gonna be kappa sizes, you're gonna see every roll <laughs> and every every hump and lump, I think, and the belly button will be very uh very prominent in that one. But uh, I suppose just as I say, double size up, you'll be fine. Just double size up. So they've,
0: they've changed the name of the uh the fish to Stadium fish I think they yeah. have one.
1: Combat so stadium fit. It'd
0: be interesting to see because uh like I know last year. I didn't buy one until I went and and tried one on at Villa Park. You can't try anything on anymore.
1: <laughs> no, Yeah, unless you bring a, so, bring a lot of wipes with you or something.
0: I might just have to take a take a punt and, and order online, but we'll see. Ah, yeah. the next, cause no doubt, one of one of the the other two kits will come out and they will go. Oh, I prefer that one, and I end up buying the three of them over the course of the year. Like I always yeah. do.
1: Yeah, I love the training gear. That kind of reddish, that uh, kind of cur- red current uh, training top or that zip-up top, I fucking love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. I, I, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm trying my best. I haven't bought it yet. And the reason I haven't bought it yet is because I know that if I buy the the, the zip-up top, I'm going to want the training, I'm going to want the, the, the crew neck, I'm going to want the, the, the T-shirt. I just think they're looking you know. I love the color it just looks fantastic. I know it's not the, it's not a claret villa color it's probably even off color you know for that but yeah. uh, I think it just looks so sleek. There's no need to have an unbelievably fancy design for anything. I am have I've just become such a traditionalist the that, that uh, strawberry and cream jersey reminds me of the old Patrick Berger uh, when Patrick Berger signed for Liverpool that cream and, and black jersey that they have that was a fantastic has, jersey. Yeah 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 that was a great jersey and and this is something similar to it except that it's it's kind of a cream and red jersey but uh yeah I've never really gone to i like i i'm okay with jerseys i there's very few jerseys like I hate the West Brom jersey because it looks like a it looks awful it looks like a mm-hmm. barcode at the moment it's it's I, i'm not a fan of I, i'm okay with striped jerseys I'm not a fan of irregular stripes you know not not a patterned stripe it's the it's it's strange the different the different yeah. size stripes but I, I the only jersey I think that I, I probably the only villa jersey I think that I didn't like was probably the humble one with the chevrons. And uh, but like I'm I'm usually okay with jerseys. Like I loved the third kit last year. I loved it. I, yeah it's probably the jersey I wore the most of all last year. Um so I'm easily I
0: mean, pleased. I'm, you know what I like you've you seen photos in my collection of, uh, of yeah. kits so, uh, I will no doubt. Well, I know my son is already itching to uh, to order the jersey. The only thing that's holding him back is to see what players come in and who leaves. So, he won't be he won't be buying his uh, usual purchase with a name on it until whatever is the fourteenth of September. Yeah. So Actually, um,
1: yeah, that makes sense. That mm, makes sense.
0: And I'm sure it's a, it's a. John McGinn, he's worried about John McGinn. It's his favourite. Not that I can see John McGinn going anywhere this year. But you just never know in football, do you? No,
1: no. Uh, but I, I do think that we'll, be a net, we'll, we'll finish this year on a net positive from um, the amount of players coming in because uh, it would be my mantra until the season kicks off and until the transfer window closes. We need to go from 15 16. Premier League quality players to 20 to 21 Premier League quality players. We need to have a situation whereby we are filling the the bench with uh, decent players and have rotation. And we need to be in a situation whereby, if it comes to it, that we're leaving out one or two quality players. When we were in the Championship. We had mm-hmm. that kind of problem. There was t- there was times yeah. when Henry Lansbury couldn't get in the bench. There was times when, um, you know, when we had there was times when sometimes Milly Ednek didn't get in the bench. You know, and there were good quality. Players, I'm not saying we go for the 34, 35 year old players and stack our bench with that, but it's just the quality-wise things, you know. Keep keep it ticking over, and it could be Louis Barry. We could we could find it. Louis Barry could be that kind of quality, but let's not have let's not be forced to find that out. Let's find that out in our own organic
0: time. Um, And I think I think from our point of view, we you know the decision that was made yesterday by the Premier League clubs to not have substitutions changes everything from our point of view is including our purchasing of additional unnecessary players so it it, it will be not, i know the vote was eleven nine was it in, in yeah
1: it was it was yeah. just barely passed thankfully it was the i'd right say
0: one. i'd say you could i'd say you could hand pick those nine very easily you know the the normal big six plus plus a couple of uh, mid-table clubs but you know uh, yeah, it, I, I, I think someone he like Leeds could have voted
1: him. I think someone like Leeds could have voted for it because I think Bielsa would be would have like he's built uh, a nice stable of players. that are very young players over the last two or three years, and I think he would have trusted those players to do it. Um possibly. I and, and yeah. like he's just a great manager anyway, you know. So I think he would have backed himself to do it. But yeah, you could nearly pick those the the players that are the teams that would go go through that that process. But we know I think it was actually even said, I think maybe Greg Evans said it. But somebody said it anyway recently that the Villa were definitely vehemently against it, wanted no part of it?
0: Well, it makes sense. They nearly un, undone us, you know, after lockdown. So um, when we look back at how the games changed, especially specifically against uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, Manu, you know, those those guys to bring on two players after sixty minutes, <laughs> it just it just mm. changes the game completely. So regardless of how well you've performed the the playing field is completely off kilter when you when you've got the clubs with that kind of buying power to be able to bring on two maybe three players to change a game without having to worry about someone getting injured at the end they still have a substitution to make and whatever so you know let's uh, let's stick with the traditional way and and stick with the three substitutes and hopefully from what they've said as well in the last couple of days. The VAR is going to be changed, and the referee is going to be accountable for his own decisions and going to have them checked out. So, yeah, this all remains in in the coming weeks. But you know, all positives. I think we we can agree that they're all positives this week from our point of view.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think it. I think it's probably a leveling up and and and, and giving a bit of an even keel. That it, it's. Uh, the the battle lines are probably small but clearly drawn by VAR the fact that the referee can move off the field make his own decision and come back again that's not all going through Stockley Park uh, I think that that you know the the players wanted it the teams wanted that the fans wanted that they wanted a bit more accountability from the ref as opposed to less accountability from the ref uh, I suppose really they probably wanted less accountability from the ref at the start, but then they realized, whoa, hold on a minute. It does, it, it's not working as well as we thought. Um, I suppose really the, one of the biggest things are that there is no tolerance still for, for offside. So we will see the vector lines drawn and we will see that mm-hmm. like Wesley's heel will be offside or we will see that uh, things like encroachment for penalties is going to be huge as well. I think so if anything at all is touching the yeah. ground and over the line, it is regardless of, you know, what it is, or there's a bit of ambiguity there as well. So we will see a small bit of ambiguity, but I think now that things are being explained a small bit more, that the that the fans, like even me and you and, and, and whoever else are watching the watching the games at home, never mind the managers and the players, they'll be a small bit more informed about what VAR can actually do and there'll be less hullabaloo and, and misinformation, I suppose, about what VAR yeah. can and can't overturn. Well, I suppose um, the
0: the the worst part from my point of view is that there's far too much time spent trying to rule out the lower team's goals than there is trying to find something wrong with what the, the higher teams have done. And as we improved, you know, we spoke about it recently with, with the penalty that was awarded to Man United. If we looked at that once on VAR, there's no way we'd have given it. Yeah. Not one. And then we... Did we get a penalty or something happened later on? The, the handball, uh, Crystal Palace... Mm-hmm. look at times they looked at that it's it's beyond belief if Crystal if Crystal Palace were Liverpool they'd be looked at once oh no that's fine it's a goal I, I firmly believe that would have happened but you know just the, 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 the field needs to be levelled Um, I think the, goal, the referee being accountable for his own decisions is the way it should be and uh, if there is someone in Stockley Park drawing lines yeah draw the lines draw the lines for everybody and take the same amount of time for everybody, and and let's keep it fair play because that's the way it should be.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and less we spend talking, less time we spend talking about VAR next year. I think the happier everyone will be. more oh, absolutely. VAR. And it's and so the
0: worst part about VAR is it, it ruins the experience from the guys sitting in the stadium. Now I know we're probably not going to be sitting in the stadium for a while, but there there are the guys that are paying to be there and they don't know what's happening. That's the worst part. Yeah. Like, a, I stopped. Whatever game I was at, I, I realized I was coming home in such bad form. I stopped going for a while yeah. to try to get my head around, you know, why this was going on. But they, they turned something that should have been a complete positive experience into a complete negative. And the per, the person that affected the most was the guy and girl who sat who sat in the stadium and paid their money, and they were the one oblivious to what was going on and why.
1: Goals are
0: being disallowed. Yeah. Yeah. You're even afraid to cheer a goal going in. (laughs) That's the worst part of it.
1: That is the worst part of it. You said it. We we could literally, you know, and and the worst thing about a VAR is that no matter when we mention it, even in the podcast, and, and both of us kind of get drawn into a conversation about it. And it shouldn't be about that. It should be, you know, it should be an entity on its own. Like nobody get, nobody gives out about the fact that the referee uses a whistle and that and that he doesn't shout at the top of his lungs to get players' attention. You know, uh, yeah. that that piece of apparatus he uses is. It, it's a great piece of apparatus. The VAR should be just like that. It should be a piece of apparatus that, that the referee uses that we don't give out about. But like, listen, every time you just mention VAR, no matter if if it's just the two of us talking, if you mention exactly. it on the pub, yeah. if you mention it on Twitter, you will have a conversation about it because people feel so passionately about it. And people get drawn into a conversation about it, and people, um, you know, it's 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 made a talking point out of something that shouldn't have been a talking point, I suppose, really. And we could go on for another forty minutes about it, um. But oh, we, won't. Uh, we won't. We won't. <laughs> We've got more positive things to be thinking about. As I say, in Rob McKenzie and Craig Shakespeare, and uh, New New Jersey's out. I would imagine, to be honest with you, Paddy, I think we're going to see some signings in the next few days. I've got no internal information. I'm not sure, who the hell do I know in the club? But um, we've got no inside information or anything. I would say that we'll see a couple of players maybe by the middle of next week holding up the shirt. Maybe even over the, over the course of the weekend, we might hear something break. Just had a feeling this morning that something was going to happen within the club. I got, My waters were right. They just weren't, it just wasn't a player. You know, we, <laughs> signed, we signed Craig Shakespeare, but, um, you know, that, that, could be, that could prove to be a pivotal signing in itself as well. So, I. It, like the the good the good times are flowing already. I think at Aston Villa we we'll get a couple of players in uh, and we start to see this team shape t- team shape up. And 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 I for one will be you know like a poly bull being left out in the field In the and in, in the second week of March. If anybody here is a farmer and you've ever seen calves <laughs> being left out in the field in the second week of March, and I'm not even a farmer. I just used to go down to my friends' houses and watch this. It's mental. Um, just Google it and see it. Uh, that's what I'd be like in the first day of the season when, uh, uh, w- with the good news that's surrounding Aston Villa at this point in time. So I think we're going to leave it there, Paddy. Obviously, we will come back we'll come back to you again and preview if anybody gets signed over the weekend. We'll come back. I've got a really, really great interview I did with a really top guy, top American uh, sports uh, commentator uh called Josh Norris. That is gonna be coming out over the weekend as well. I really implore you to listen to that. Um, Josh works for Roto World and um he works obviously in the in the areas of data-driven um sport. Uh, I suppose, analysis, uh, whether it be fantasy sport, whether it be um, data that, that, that helps American sports. And I had a really good conversation about him, about maybe what American sports teams look for and so on, how they use that data. Really good conversation. Um, uh, that will be out tomorrow afternoon and um I, as i say i would implore everybody to listen to it and share it and as i always say rob your friend's phone sign him up for the podcast you never know he might thank you for it later on and um, but i had a really good time sat down with josh and and he's a he, he's a top top guy um not that you're not a top top guy patty as well but uh, you are i've missed you while you've been on holidays i really have oh thanks Neil. i've missed, I missed uh, you too yeah, it's alright, I still, I still gave out about Roy Keane while you were gone So it was, uh, the, the, the the kind of space-time continuum stayed in place But we didn't bring you up, I nearly didn't bring you up Drink, Philip, you have to drink I mentioned Roy Keane, sorry, I nearly got away without doing it <laughs> uh, So... So, guys, that's going to do it for today. As I say, you can follow Paddy on Atville or Paddy. You can follow me on Love McGrath Pod, and um, you can find us, as I say, on any any podcast platform. Uh, we've got another full slate for next week, so some some exciting uh, podcasts coming out next week, regardless of signings. Um, they, i am just going to thank everybody again the the love and, and and outreach that you guys have given us over the last couple of weeks has been nothing short of amazing the numbers are are eye wateringly good like for two guys sitting down here uh, in, Dub, in 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 jesus going to say dublin and limerick but, but neither of us are in dublin or limerick both of us probably want, you probably want to be in Dublin and I want to be in Limerick, but neither of us are, are in those respective places. Two fellas in Ireland, as I say, it's, it's uh, you know, it's really heartwarming to see, see the great messages that come in. So I do thank you all from the bottom of my heart. No games this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be stuck into the snooker championship over the weekend. I bloody love the World Snooker Championship and um and various other games. Uh, I'll be doing some commentary and some GA games as well, uh, (laughs) and uh, and my local uh, Hurling team's uh, games on Facebook Live, so I I, I won't be able to shut up for that either. But um, no (laughs) Villa-related stuff. Uh, no villa related stuff this weekend, but we, as I said, we will come to you with anything that does drop over the weekend, whether it's a five, 10 minute uh, podcast. And, and, and as I say, the excitement is real, so you won't be hearing any less of us over the next few weeks. And all that's really left to say until we come back to you again, guys, is up the villa. Up the villa.